better days are coming, you see. Visions are for you and me. Elevate your soul. Come with me. Hello. Hi, Bronwyn. <laughs> Rebecca. So, today is Friday, August 14th. Venus rises on Venus Day with Venus reaching her maximum elongation and about to conjunct the moon in Cancer. Yes, and you as the yin aspect of Venus and me as the yang. So here we are. Taurus and, yeah, Taurus and Libra. Taurus and Libra, Venus, Venus women. So you want to talk about this rather momentous week coming up? Yeah, let's start with a little bit of background. Okay, so on the 13th, we had, that was Thursday, we had um, a Mars square Pluto in Capricorn. Um, that's the first of three challenging squares that we have that was exact. And, um, you know, confrontation, power struggles, aggressive behavior, we've been seeing it all over in the news. Um, that energy is sort of in the background wallpaper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the rest of the year, basically, but um, just for right now, we have that as a wallpaper included with the Uranus retrograde station in Taurus that happened on the 15th, which is Saturday. So it's a lot of really um, lighting a fire under us kind of energy, shaking us up and lighting a fire. And for those who may not be as familiar with how these cycles work, the um, we're heading into a very long season of Mars being in his happy, strong place of Aries, where he would usually only hang out for about a month, but he's going to be there for a few more months because he'll do his whole retrograde there. And while he's doing that, he's going to have these really challenging conversations with all these big teacher planets in Capricorn that he has, um, that we have all been working with this year that have been breaking down our structures, both personally and socially and asking us to all grow ourselves up so we can rebuild better structures. So that's kind of the bigger like 2020 context of what's happening for people who might not be tracking this as closely as we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had a really big moment with that, with this Mars, Mars um, making the first of his squares to Pluto. He'll, he'll do two more. And then there's another bookend to this with this coming week, right? Because we're gearing up at the end of next week for when he comes into conversation with Saturn. With Saturn. Yeah. So we're kind of in, in between those two right now. So that's a lot of energy. Yeah. And that Mars energy sort of pings between Pluto and Saturn because it's just carrying energy from, from Pluto right to Saturn. Yeah. So. And as you said, into the middle of this comes the Uranus station. Station yeah. retrograde. Uh, he did that on Saturday mm-hmm. at ten degrees of Taurus. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, this week I've been having some issues with my internet, with my mm-hmm. cell phone. This is related to like technological issues. Uh, I had to get a new cell phone because I put mine in the washing machine. Things like this. <laughs> Emails weren't working. Yep. Kind of feels a little Mercury retrograde-ish, but actually it's Uranus, which is yep. the higher octave or like the big brother of Mercury. So yep. technology, electronics, things are a little haywire. Yep, I have been experiencing that over here too, um, with difficulty with connecting. And, um, you know, we experience that in the world around us and 
with the interwebs and with our connections. And also if we think about thinking about that higher octave of mercury and think about ourselves and our neural pathways, exactly electricity in our body. Yes. I I find that. And if you're personally having a Uranus transit, that thing happens where you feel like you just touch something and it breaks or goes haywire, especially electronics, right? Yeah. Like you're a little amped up and kind of, you know, you had maybe one cup of coffee too much. Yes. So it's, (laughs) it's that the whole time. So if you're feeling like that, if you're losing sleep, like I know I am, um, that's how it affects me. It's just like this undertone buzz, like my ears are ringing. Uh, my ears are literally ringing and really hard to sleep and just that unsettled feeling. So, you know, what's interesting too, well, though, with that, like, despite like all of this sort of mild or like this low tension of anxiety that comes with it is that like information is like yeah. brought to light. Things are exposed. Yeah. When Uranus is, you know, the, the great awakener and he um, brings sudden insight and things, pieces of the puzzle sort of like click together, like as if there's like an electrical arc between them because that oh. energy is running like fusion and you have like sudden um, clear insight and like, I don't know, awareness, like a, an aha light bulb moment. This definitely has to do with Uranus stations too. Yeah. And then it can be like, oh, surprise, this new information that you didn't know was happening in the background suddenly in your lap. I love that analogy of the electrical arc traveling over and that, that sudden realization. So what would you suggest for people who are feeling those more shadow aspects of the Uranus stimulation? (laughs) How, How can we channel this energy? I guess we really can't, but how can we receive it? How can we be the human lightning rods so that this energy travels somewhere useful in our lives and doesn't just um, disrupt creative disruption rather than disruption for its own sake? Is there anything that we can do? Well, this is the, this is the interesting thing too with Mars and Aries, you know, Mars is the God of war and he loves to have like a focal point, something to go after. He's our motivation and drive and passion um, square Pluto. So it's a lot of like volatile energy already. And then you add in the, the energetic nervous element of Uranus in the station. And all I can think of, honestly, the best thing would be like some kind of cardio, some kind of movement. Wow. Like now I don't think is, I mean, it's really great to do a little meditation and draw a grounding cord to stabilize yourself. But there is like this excess kind of like anxious energy that needs to be moved out of the body because Mars needs to move. And he's like, he's so strong right now. Yeah. So we do our really vigorous yoga practices or we get out for a a vigorous walk. Mm -hmm. Movement. Um, Yeah. Somewhere in the sunlight, right? Like go out onto a Capricorn gravelly path. It's Leo Um, season. Yeah. Get, in the, get out in the sun. Get out yeah. in the sun and sweat a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to make a suggestion too, which is this idea of, okay, first of all, just on a physical level, stay hydrated. And yes, very this, dry, very hot and dry. Yeah. Very hot and dry. So stay hydrated Thank in you. all the ways, like emotionally hydrated, physically hydrated, this idea of mineral salts and maybe taking in a little bit of like put a little bit of lemon and honey and sea salt in your water so that the hydration is restoring your nerves too. So it isn't so much, like you said, it's not so much. It's like nature's Gatorade. Seriously, nature's Gatorade (laughs) and get into a salt bath or into the salt water. 
And this reminds me that happening at the same time as this, we have Venus at her maximum elongation, which means that's her highest point that she's going to reach as a morning star, right? Before she begins her long, slow descent. So this um, means that we can actually see her in the sky. We can see her at her very brightest mm-hmm. and highest in the morning sky, which is so beautiful. And between now and February, every day you'll experience her as a little bit lower and, and dimmer in the sky until she finally descends beneath the horizon and enters into um, one of her underworld journey phases. So we're in that long, slow healing descent that Venus makes at this point in her cycle. And this is, this is an important turning point in her cycle where she, she reaches the height that she's going to reach. She's, she's been rising from the underworld, and now she'll start her rhythmic descent back into those shadows. Um, I, it's really interesting, the the yin-yang balance of this, the chart of the next few days with the Uranus right. and the... The, uh, the new moon coming up and the way Venus and Mars are talking to each other and the way the um, moon-sun, so the Venus-moon relationship and then the Mars-sun relationship. And so I think there's just as far as giving people um, some suggestions about how to channel this energy. Right. It looks like the, the going to Venus, because Venus is in a water sign cancer, that she yes. can be actually like the remedy or help like ameliorate some of the, the hot, dry, anxious energy that we're feeling with, Plat- with Pluto and Mars and Uranus. Yeah. Like all this that's like I'm masculine, doing. forceful energy. And then yeah. we'll take the feminine as like the anecdote. Yeah. But, but I think both are really important. Like if you don't get out there and sweat, it's not going to help to sit in a salt bath and cry. <laughs> Right, right, both, exactly. Right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right, 100%. Get in the bath with your Gatorade and have a little <laughs> cry. Probably, honestly, you're going to feel like crying, but it'll be okay. Well, that's also movement, though, right? Yes. That is also movement, you know? You can that energy can also rise on an emotional level, uh, the Uranus tension, and yeah. then actually erupt into you know a sudden cry fast if you want maybe yeah. watch a good movie and like see if you can you know milk the energy of emotional release because we we have a lot of emotions pent up in our bodies right now all of us because of the wallpaper of our lives yeah yeah cool so, that's the plan that's the plan okay. for the new moon. We're going we're gonna to go for a run, get really tired, and then come home, watch a tearjerker movie, and get in the bath with a glass of Gatorade. <laughs> that's the plan. All right. <laughs> Excellent. That's, so that's the wallpaper, basically, is what we're seeing. There's like this really interesting yin-yang balance with, with Venus dancing with the moon and beginning her heliacal descent to the underworld. And then we've got Mars and the sun. So do you want to talk about the new moon on Monday? I do. Or it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday, isn't it? Did we skip something? Well, you know, yeah, because I want to talk about like moving into Sunday. That's the 16th. There's a sun Leo trying to Mars and Aries. Right. Then we're, and, then, and then Monday, we're going to have Mercury Leo trying to Mars and Aries. So basically it's the sun 
and Mercury yes. trying to Mars and Aries. And that is a lot of fire energy that is and really exciting, especially from Leo coming that like creative force, that creative fire. It's like a, a heart centered passion and creativity that can be like channeled into like making something because Mars, you know, moves. He wants to take action on that creativity. And there's a Mercury Cassini in the middle of all that too. Right. Then it's like, it's not, well, then it's, yeah, passionate, like a passionate flurry of ideas, a passionate communication of ideas. And it's, yeah, it's a really bright, fantastic new moon, actually. That's great new moon energy. And especially like with it trying to Mars, it's going to give us the motivation to follow through on the seeds that we plant at that stage in the, moon, in the lunar cycle. So we haven't really had a good new moon for a while. We had a couple of really, really challenging new moons during eclipse season. And this is really nice for those of us who do work um, to set intentions and do ritual around the new moon. This is a really good one in the, the first really strong, clean, clear new moon energy we've had for a while, right? Yeah, because usually, because this is in Leo, it's not affected by the, the big bads that we're talking about in Capricorn. That would be right. like the Jupiter-Pluto-Saturn conjunction. Like this one is like free and clear to have its own space to be a solid gifted new moon because mm -hmm. it's it's like there's so many ups and downs with our cycle right now. So this is a really this is really an upswing, you know? Yeah. Where we can sort of we can fortify like things that we're concerned with, what we value from a heart centered space. Yeah. And and really dig into it without feeling the full force of the rest of the chaos that's happening in the world. Mm. Like this new moon cycle doesn't really get touched by that at all. It just has a little bit of like invigorating juice from the trying to Mars. Yeah, there's kind of a pristine feeling to it that we haven't had for a while. And that that's an opportunity for that courageous Leo heart in all of us to really shine through and to feel glimmers of hope and to feel the the sustenance of the courage to continue through the rest of this difficult year i That's think it's yeah it's courage. a beautiful reset and um you know a chance for us to kind of blow on those coals blow the the ash off of those coals <laughs> to stoke the fire a little bit yeah yeah oh that feels really good yeah we've needed that we've really needed that so it's a really important new moon for people to set aside time to get, do something creative with their new moon intentions, because we do have that sort of pristine, clear clarity and the beautiful motivation from Mars in his happy place before he hits his retrograde, giving us that positive motivation and moving us forward. And you were saying, before we started recording, you were saying, it's a beautiful new moon for people to do something creative and visual, like make a vision board. A vision and board. Yeah. yeah. Because we, you know, when Mars comes along like that, it really, it, it helps to bring things into manifestation much more quickly. If we can harness that energy. Right. His Mars energy, the Mars energy that's in a trine is sort of laser focusing the union between Mercury and the moon and the sun in Leo, which is a sign of the creativity. So if you're inspired by something and you make a visual presentation of it, I figure that 
because Mercury and the moon and the sun are going to be shifting right uh, within the following week, right into the sign of Virgo. Yes. That um, you make a vision board and there's like kind of a plan and a reminder of the passion that you had and like your goals as you, as you flow through the month. But maybe yeah. this, this vision board would even have a pretty solid value throughout the, through the rest of the year. Yeah, I really, I really like that as a moment of, um, a moment of heart and courage and endurance, that beautiful Leo endurance, right? The life force that Leo has of those, those coals at the bottom of the hearth that are just strong and holding the fire. And we all really need to access that part of ourselves for these coming months. And this is such a great opportunity to do that and to put it into a vision. I love your idea of creating that vision board as something that you can look at for the rest of this year that will help help to awaken that courageous heart within you as we travel through these coming months. You know, yeah. it's, it's true though, what you're saying. I'm just thinking that like right now on the 15th, mm-hmm. we're exactly in the middle of fixed fire. This is like the height of summer. This is like as sunny and inspiring and invigorating yeah. and warm and uplifting as it gets. And we need to like sort of harness this and keep yeah. it with us to carry for the rest of the year. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Is, yes. Just the way I've just got that vision of how in, in um, people used to carry coals from one settlement to another, right? You, you take that beautiful little living coal out of the hearth And this actually makes me think of Vesta because she's doing something really interesting in here that I was looking at before and I can't remember. Where are you, my dear? She She just just moved into Leo. Leo. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Just (laughs) as Venus moved into Cancer, it's like um, Vesta passed the torch, that Cancerian torch to... Off to Venus. It wasn't really a thing, but excuse me for mixing my metaphors, but she she handed the... uh, I don't know, the chalice off to uh, <laughs> Venus and moved into Leo. So I love this. I, I, I mean, Vesta is where we hold that flame and, and nourish that hearth within ourselves, right? She's both mm-hmm. our, our, literally our home and how we nourish that. But on, on a deeper archetypal level, she's where we nourish that flame within us. And I've been thinking of her a lot lately in terms of what it really means to be a citizen, and how we, we kind of have lost track of that. And um, how even today, most countries have some sort of eternal flame as a mm. symbol in their capital. I know we do here in Canada, we have this beautiful eternal flame in front of the parliament buildings. I think in the U.S. there's an eternal flame at one of the Kennedy tombs. Yes, it's John F. Kennedy's. Yeah. yeah, okay. So that's Vesta, right? She's that pure flame of citizenship. So I think having her voice here in early Leo... Um, it's just beautiful looking at that stellium in, in Leo on this new moon. And I love that Vesta's in there with that because that idea of harvesting those little coals to get back to that original image and you know how they used to like pack them in moss and stuff and put surround them with leather and just like carry that coal because, you know, not, not to spread fear. We're going to get through this. We're strong. We've got good things coming in 2021, but the next few months will carry their challenges. Yeah. And I love that idea of bottling this, this strong Leo force and just holding those coals. And we've got all these gorgeous planets in Leo just saying, you have the heart, you have the courage. It will be there to sustain you. Your courageous heart will be there to sustain you over the coming months. And if we can ritualize that around this new moon, 
we'll all be in much better shape. And I love that Vesta is there bringing in that citizenship piece. I feel like there's like something that, that speaks to actually memorializing or um, you could make a shrine for Vesta or something for Vesta. They did, the way that Venus and Vesta were talking, what you said, because Venus is in the sign of literally the home and the hearth and nation, right? Yes. So this talks yes. about like love of nation, love of country, but also like um, the creativity within your own home, you know, yes. and loving that and finding your, and stoking your own hearth fire, like literally in your house or at a shrine or in a room someplace where you can have a representative of this, this energy to carry us through the rest of the year. And yeah. there again, we have that beautiful interplay and balance of water, fire and yeah. of yin yang. And of the, it isn't like we just need one. We need both of those elements. We need all of it. Yeah. yeah we need all of it. But the water <laughs> fire is really prominent right now is nourishing ourselves with fire and nourishing ourselves with water. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and that that conversation between between Vesta and Venus, and kind of that agreement for each of them to hold that space as we travel through this next this next little piece of the year. So that's Monday. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Tuesday, actually. We have yeah, that's the, Tuesday. That's right. Yeah, Tuesday is a conjunction with Mercury, right? The Sun to yeah. Mercury, and then well, Tuesday is also the new Moon day. Yes. So that's, yes. Okay. That is Tuesday. And the, and the moon before, um, before the new moon, obviously as the moon ingresses Leo, she'll have, she'll have that conjunction with Vesta who's newly in Leo. So that, mm-hmm. that kind of sets the stage for that. She's going to travel through and, and speak to Vesta as she enters Leo and, and have a chat with Mercury and then, or I guess the sun and then Mercury. But yeah, I just wanted to highlight that, that earlier before the new moon, it's going to be moon conjunct Vesta and that, that just amplifies that moment. Right. Yeah. I could say more about that because then we also have Hygieia in late cancer and the moon would have just been conjunct her and, and brought all the energy from Hygieia there to Vesta. So there's, again, there's just laws to say about healing community. Mm -hmm. And I've really been watching Hygieia lately because of course she is the planet of public health. So she's been very active and is so what there. degree is she at in cancer? She, she is at 22. So she's exactly opposite Pluto right now, which is how about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that kind of speaks to the, that speaks to what's happening. Doesn't it? Um, I'm yeah. just thinking about schools opening and, and kids mm-hmm. and the questions yeah. of hygiene and, you know, whatever with the opposition between Hygieia and uh, Pluto along with yeah. Jupiter and Saturn then we've got Mars and Eris sitting down there in Aries. So everyone's trying to figure out which way to go forward. Do we like follow the institution? Do we follow our nurturing impulses for our children? Or do we like go back to work and do the Capricorn thing? Do we send our kids back to school into the structures of our society? Or do we like keep them at home? Cancer, you know? So you can see that whole conversation playing out within that T-square between Saturn, Pluto, Mars conjunct Eris and Hygieia holding up the other corner of that and playing the role of, of nurturing public health. Yeah. So can you speak a little bit more to that? Um, I don't work a lot with Eris, so I would love it if you would talk a little bit about who she is and the role that she's playing right now in that conjunction with Mars. 
Eris is uh, actually a sister to Mars. You know the story of Eris. She's the one who started the Trojan War. She throws the apple in, she's throws the apple in amongst the, the goddesses and asks yeah. uh, Paris to pick which is the most beautiful. And this yeah. sets up, he chooses Venus because, you know. She's goes. the most beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but her, she's the goddess of discord. Um, and I've seen paintings of her riding along in a chariot besides Mars as her like male counterpart or her brother. And he, they ride into battle together and she creates like strife and tension and discord. Um, and then Mars just goes in and, you know, chops everybody's head off or whatever. He's like yeah. the, vi- the violence guy, but you can't have violence without the discord, right? So anyway, Eris, but Eris also has a good side and she serves the function of sort of resistance to the things that are unjust in society. So if something is, is not right and it's unjust, Eris is going to get in there and kick up her heels and say, we're not taking it anymore. Let's take to the streets. Let's create discord in the face of this injustice. Yes. Kind of, um, her energy is a little bit similar to, to Uranus and the fact that she's like also an awakener. So Eris mm-hmm. will come in and draw attention to something that, um, that is inappropriate. I'm, I keep thinking of like me too, because she's a, yes. she's a feminine voice of like, yeah. um, you know, calling things to justice, yeah. you know, by drawing the, uh, our attention to them on a public level. And so Eris right now like is. A, she can be like a whistleblower. In yes, that sense. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So she's a warrior goddess, and right now she's in tandem with with Mars. So you know, there are a little girl in school out here. I think it was in Georgia. Just actually took a video of people walking down the hallways of how crowded the hallways were, mm-hmm. and then um, now there are like two hundred or two thousand children and teachers quarantined in Georgia. Wow! Because so of this little girl is playing that little girl. She's yeah. the role of heiress. Yeah. And so of course she's receiving backlash and like people don't like her because they wanted to go to prom or have their like, you know, sports season start or whatever, but she's calling attention to the unjust, the injustice, okay. like, like your honest would. Okay. Yeah. I like this. So I can really see, like, I, I want to see if we can find an image of, um, Eris of Eris riding her chariot next to Mars because that is exactly what they're doing right now. Um, in the chart that I'm looking at, just for where I live, they're right at the midheaven um, for this moment that I'm looking at around the new moon, uh, and it just so clearly evokes that image. Just seeing their two glyphs side by side there in Aries evokes that image of the two riding their their chariots together into battle. Yeah, they have a um, very similar glyph too, but what did you call her? The flower with no petals? Yeah, the flower with no <laughs> petals. And, you know, with those um, those classical myths that always interest me to kind of pick those apart, because this is this is the time in Greek mythology where we're seeing this, this veneer, this patriarchal veneer being put over the ancient stories. So it, it, that, that whole story of Eris with the apple and Eris is the sort of... Um, you know, the difficult woman in the crowd. Yeah, she's painted time. as like, you know, she's envious and jealous because yeah. she doesn't get invited and she's not like as beautiful in his power. Like women are always motivated by, you know, envy and jealousy. It's like it's, a, yeah, it's such a patriarchal story. And as, <laughs> as with all of the asteroids, if you dig a little deeper under the classical Greek story, mm. um, you usually find a more ancient story that mm. is about a more embodied um, and whole feminine as the, the stories start to get fractured during classical times and you see a splitting of the feminine self um and 
when I say feminine, I'm not talking about any kind of gender roles or gender at all. I'm talking about the the archetypal balance of yin and yang energies and how those are embodied in the mythology. And there's a really interesting thing that happens as the foundations of our own culture uh, during classical times with those myths um, going through a sort of a distortion. And you see these, these wholly embodied feminine figures from earlier in Mediterranean mythology, like Inanna, who is the warrior and the lover and the great beauty and the great stateswoman. She's all of that. And then you, in classical times, you see that archetype splitting. Um, then you have warrior goddesses and you have love goddesses. And um, I would just... You know, say- what I'm thinking as you say that actually is um, I'm thinking of Eris as like a, a later archetype of Ereshkigal. <gasps> and on a sister. Yes. Oh my gosh. The hair just stood up on the back of my neck. Yeah. Yes. She's that other, that mirror half. Mm-hmm. Um, the quote-unquote like shadow self that needs yeah. to be encountered yes yes wow yeah this really really rich exploration and that's that's interesting in terms of where venus is in her cycle right now too with eris becoming so prominent just as venus turns her as they say in the, as, as a, the as maximum a, height of her yeah, journey she yeah. turns her ear to the great below the voice of a reshkigal speaking really strongly there riding shotgun with mars Wow. Yeah, there's a lot there to unpack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe um, I'll write something up for our show notes or something like that, and we'll just like pull this together a little bit. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. that. There's yeah, a lot to be explored here, but I'm a little choked yeah. up with the with the journey of Venus coinciding with this conjunction to Mars and Eris. Yeah, it's yeah. it's that's a lot. That's yeah. really beautiful. I so lots of it and. <laughs> That's fuel for our journey, though. Like this is this is where it comes home to our own spirits and what we need to learn, or not need to, but what we have the opportunity to learn and explore as we go through this um, very martial journey of the next few months. Yeah, because it will certainly usher us into a metaphorical underworld of sorts. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, things switch up on Wednesday, right? Ooh, so yes. Wednesday's the 19th and Mercury goes into Virgo, right? right? Heralding the sun, entering into Virgo a few days before the sun does. Yeah. Yeah. And Mercury loves to be in Virgo. Yes. It's the happiest place for it to function. It can be like detail oriented. Oh, what I wanted to talk about too is that idea of the... Um, taking um, all of that uh, solar energy that we had with the Leo... And actually from the new moon, because we'll still be in the new moon phase when the sun, when Mercury actually uh, transfers over into Virgo, yeah. we can take the, that, those creative energies and that brightness and actually plant it so that it will manifest in reality and spring to life Beautiful. on a, and a practical level, just because we're, we're switching from fire sign, which is so passionate and creative into, uh, into an earth sign which actually we're looking for longevity and sustainability, right? So that's where we get the grounding. So we were talking about that balance of water and fire that are so important early in the week and how it's not really time yet to ground it. What I'm looking at is the mercury, right? Okay. And this is, this is getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but the theme here seems to be to bring all of these things down to earth, right? Yes. So for the grounding that you're talking about. Um, because like all of this, like fabulous, uh, these the energy that we're having with the Leo new moon 
is gonna, our enthusiasm is gonna, like, it's gonna hit a little bit of a wall coming in the next week. So we have to like actually have like more of a, a Virgo kind of plan to move ahead with it because that Mars is going to square Saturn. Right. Okay. okay. So I'm feeling what you're saying. Like we should maybe be thinking about having something in place. So right, instead to of that, for just hitting a wall, exactly. it has a channel to move through. That's a practical channel in our lives. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> that's what you were saying. <laughs> Um, that's what I mean. Yeah. Because there's going to be, there's some, there's some call to be like a little bit like cautious or conservative or at least intentional. And this is what I wanted to talk to you. I know that you are the asteroid lady and it's Palestina that has a plan, right? Yes. And where is she? She is, she is like holding up the rear of this whole brigade in Capricorn that, that has been uh, trouncing through our lives for the last year. She's right. a, so she's at 13 degrees cap. Um, okay, so this is interesting. I'm just looking at the chart for Thursday uh, with the, the Mercury ingress into Virgo. And we have Moon. Moon is going to come along and oppose Neptune. So that's, that's what you're talking about with the, the balancing of the, the dreams and ideals and not letting, not letting all of that creative force just hit a wall and like, dissipate. Yeah, don't let it slip away. Yeah. We've got to channel it into something practical. And then at the same time, we also have the moon right before she opposes Neptune. She comes and has a nice trying a conversation with, um, with Pallas Athena there at 13 cap. So that is an opportunity. That's where I see the connection, right? With the moon having all of those conversations as she moves through Virgo just as Mercury is coming into Virgo, the moon can carry us through with that balancing the dream with um, the creation of strategy. So that would be a day for us to get serious about our to-do lists and our strategic thinking, right? Yeah. And what I'm thinking to further that is because we have uh, 45 degrees after every lunation for the full moon phase, right? For after every new moon, we have 45 yeah. degrees. So what does that give us? Like a day and a half, two yeah. days? Yeah. So we're still in that full that new moon phase. Beautiful. So this actually, I'm looking at like what are we talking about? August 20th would be like actually the a really fantastic day to do a new moon ritual because we're that would be the day energy. Yeah. It may not be the and day you're feeling the most inspired to do it, but it's the <laughs> day when it's going to get the most traction, right? Right, because of because of the moon's aspects to to Pallas, bringing in that yes. plan and and helping us have like endurance and longevity. Yes. You know? Yes. So that's the wee hours of the morning when, um, <laughs> yeah, so, so y'all can get up at, what is it, when when the moon hits palace, it's early in the morning there, um, on, th- on Wednesday morning, I guess is what we're looking at. Anytime on Wednesday, that's a good time for your new moon ritual. With that moon in early Virgo. Sorry, I'm just scrolling around. Yeah, I'm just looking because... Uh, Mercury's still at the anoretic degree of Leo there in the early morning hours. Uh, you know what else is at that anoretic degree of Leo? Regulus. <gasps> right. Yeah. Just like giving you one last burst of like passion and fire. So yes. Regulus, for those who don't know, being the star that's at the heart of the lion, one of the four great Persian royal stars. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's amazing. I can't believe you just pulled out all that detail. But yes, that's. Well, I was just exactly teaching about. I was just teaching about um, <laughs> the royal stars last week, so it's right there. Heart of the lion. That's what we were just talking about with those beautiful um, coals from the hearth. And and do you see the theme here? Yeah, it's fixed yeah. fire. Yeah, carrying the fixed fire throughout yeah. the rest of the season. Yeah. yeah. Yep, and making the plan. So we're feeling that um, we want to bottle that energy and make a plan with it. That That is your mission for the week, right? Mm-hmm. To, to really feel, this is when you're going to be feeling the endurance and the courage. And you want to make a plan to sustain that. Because we move out of, of uh, fixed fire into mutable earth, which is such a different feeling. Mm-hmm. But that, I mean, at, at this point too, I love the, I love fire. You know, I love fixed fire. Everybody mm-hmm. loves Leo season, high yes. summer, but um, we need a little bit more grounding and we need to, to, to work a little bit more with a grounding energy. And when everything shifts into Virgo, it's actually going to be functioning much more in tandem with the, with the big bads that we have Saturn, Pluto and Jupiter. So instead of squaring all that stuff, it's going to be trining with it. So we'll, we'll actually be finding ways to work more effectively with it. Right. Exactly. Yeah, Especially so with Palace there too. I Palace love having Palace there. Way. She adds so much to the conversation. It's so important to have her there. And I think that people have their mission just to, to find that fixed fire within yourself, find that dedication, um, the, the courageous heart of the sun the, the dedication of Vesta and let the, um, the mercurial self that can make plans and um, bring things into being magically within your mind um, move into planning mode later in the week so that we don't lose this beautiful light and we can bring it with us and carry it through the rest of the year. Beautiful. Yeah, you know what I'm thinking too. We might have to cut this out, but I was thinking I wish that I would have looked up um, a, jo- a rock or a gem. <gasps> Some what would be good for like high Leo, you know, to put on your altar. Carnelian. I think most people have carnelian. You know, it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Just off the top Is that of that, what comes to mind for you? Yeah. Just, but yeah. that's totally intuitive. Why well, don't I would we, believe you? Yeah. Yeah. See if you can can find something there. And also this is something we can add to the show notes. We can give people prescription. Okay. No, but you're right. Actually, I just put Carnelian Leo and it says Leo Carnelian golden topaz, you know, what's the other one, the yellow one that everybody has. Oh, um, you know, citrine. Citrine. Yes. Thank you. Citrine. So citrine, Carnelian. I mean, most people have a Carnelian, right? Yeah. And if you don't, they're easy to procure. Yes. But the, and they're not expensive, but just putting one of those on your altar. And then, you know, when this is what I like to do, um, if I'm, you know, capturing, I mean, it's a little astro- astrological magic, basically, then we're having this new moon energy, you know, maybe yeah. we could have the person put the rock outside in the moon to harness that like new moon energy. And then whatever, you can stick it in your pocket in like October when everything's squaring the Capricorn stuff and like mm-hmm. take it to the grocery store with you or take it for walks or take it with you when you're voting or whatever you're like feeling yeah, like take you it need. With you when you're voting, please. It's going to be that pull that you're talking about. 
Yes. I love this so much. It's so beautiful. You can have your little carnelian that's holding that. It can be that living coal that you carry with you through the year. Yeah. Yes. So I think that we're probably a little uh, out of time now, huh? Yeah, we're probably out of time. <laughs> but this was really good. I'm glad we ended with that and give, give, Me too. give people something tangible to hold. And that, that coal that, that's going to hold that fire of your courageous heart through, through what is to come in the autumn. So we will actually be back next week with more of um, Venus Rises. Yes. All right. Have a great one. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.